podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the beat goes on. KHJ Los Angeles. 331 in Los Angeles. This is the real Don guys this week well we have a, another bumper show uh, we are bringing you a couple of main reviews a retrospective review of sorts um as well uh and a lot of what we've been watching i know i've watched shit loads um usual trailers tangents questions all sorts of bits news we'll get to that in a minute though so what are our main reviews we're doing train to busan presents peninsula uh the kind of sequel to Train to Busan of sorts, but they're trying Spiritual. to build a... No, it's actually a direct sequel. They're trying to build a world for it, aren't they? Mm. They're trying to allow it, allow it to go other places um, that don't involve trains. Um, <laughs> and what else have we got? I keep forgetting what they are. Um, we've got the, the Megan Fox is a badass movie, Rogue. See, the reason you forgot that one, Mark, is because it's incredibly fucking forgettable. <laughs> so you can be forgiven for that one. Little sneak uh, in there into what Rebecca thought of Film of the year, obviously. Uh, we're also going to chat um, once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, aren't we? Because why not? Because because Becky decided to watch it one night on her own, and then messaged the group chat about it, and then everyone else went, "How could we watch?" Yeah, that? could we watch that? And so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna chat about it because it was actually a big film, I think, for everyone last year. I watched it twice. Yeah, Becky's watched it twice this week. Um, oh, what a dream! What a dream! And, you know we. we why not actually just celebrate enjoying a movie and mm. sort of luxuriating it and indulging ourselves a little bit more? So we're Bathe gonna... in that shit. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck it. It's been a weird year. Let's fucking just just bask in the enjoyment of something. Celebrate just... the things that make you happy. Exactly. Yeah. I I, uh, I just I just want to apologise as well um, because I'm I'm sure that just spiked then where I said that I'm going to start talking with the microphone further away from me because when <laughs> I edit. My God, do I come in hot? So, <laughs> um, uh, like I, you know, so um, 
apologies no one's said anything but i'm sure people are thinking it but i'm now talking with the microphone a fair bit further away from me and hopefully that will uh, make it a more listenable experience apologies for interrupting that's not well yeah so um so yeah for fuck it let's go on with the show uh, ian news what's been happening in the movie world this week let's start with tarantino yes so um he has signed a two book deal with harper collins uh, which I think basically means don't expect any fucking films from Tarantino anytime soon. Um, you know, he's self-proclaimed that his next one would technically be his last one, so I'm sure he probably wants to take some fucking time. Um, you imagine the pressure on Quentin Tarantino he must be feel- feeling, because you know, you fucking know, he wants... He wants it to be best picture and best director and all that stuff. Like, he wants to go out on such a high... He, he, he will. He, he won't. I don't think he'll do it until there's something that makes him go this. This is the one. Because he's always said it very cleverly. Uh, I, I'm only going to make 10 Quentin Tarantino films, which I think is the out for him to go. Do you know what? If, if, if like three or four years afterwards, he goes, do you know what? I want to do a remake of Assault on Precinct 13. He can do it. Mm. When people go, you said you were going to. What is it? He can go, yeah, I said I wasn't going to make any more Tarantino movies. This isn't. But he also has always said that he wanted to he wanted to write a book uh, and, and do that. He, he, he's been saying that for about 15 years now. And so he is. He's So two books. One is going to be a novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, complete with deleted scenes, um, which will be fucking amazing. Um, and that is going to be available in audio book format. For the love of fucking Christ, he's got to be doing. He's got to be doing the narration. Surely he, he, he will. It'll be interesting to see if he gets the original casting. <laughs> oh my god! Really? If it's an audio book of Once Upon a Time, Kurt Russell that narrates Once Upon a Time, I, he should do it. I mean, I, I, yeah, something like that. I just don't want it being fucking audible jobber number five doing it. It, it, it will not be audible jobber number five at all. It will be that. I, I, I like the idea of that, but I, I just, in my brain now, somebody going around and giving Kurt Russell the book and going, that's the audio book, knowing how much Tarantino will, will put into that, that it'll be a way, what is it? And Kurt Russell agreeing to do it, sat there and going, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do the what is it? And I'm handing it and he'd look at the book and going, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't have time for this shit. And Kurt Russell. I'm stunning. What are you doing? Nothing. But this is, this is going to impede on me doing not. I have three wineries to visit today. I'm going to be too to read this. No, he's doing Christmas Chronicles 3, Christmas in Swaziland. He's busy. I really hope that's a real thing. <laughs> what is Swaziland? It's a... It's a capital it's not a place. Yeah. Is it a nice place? No. I don't think it probably is. No. Do they do things to lions there, like Rogue very emphatically tries to tell us at the end of Rogue? Uh, it's it's now uh, Swatini, uh, and it is in the middle of um, South Africa. Let's okay. just zoom out. As Becky said there, it 
It's, uh, yeah, it's just outside South Africa. It's a small country, actually. Well, it's probably probably not. It looks small, but it's been in Africa, and Africa is fucking huge. Mm-hmm. It's probably mm-hmm. absolutely massive. But yeah, it's um, landlocked between uh, Mozambique and South Africa. Sweet. So that's where Kurt Russell is, and that's why he's busy. Um, but he's also doing a book of criticism about 70s film. That would be fucking awesome. That, fuck yeah. That that's, yes. that's weirdly that one. I would be more looking forward to an audio book. Oh god, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you that. Read that one. Yeah. Just, just fuck it. If if Tarantino released that, just him reading that with um, just like fucking images backing it up on the laser and released that as a movie i would go and fucking see that at the cinema all 17 hours of it it would be <laughs> but i i do enjoy an audiobook you do yeah i like listening to them in the car so i'll go for long drives to listen to in the car so i would i would be, i would very much be up for that yeah 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 i i, I like me an audiobook i've been listening to um bod wood uh, bob woodward's uh rage um about uh trump's um like essentially like the handling of uh coronavirus um which i had been wanting to listen to for a while but only felt okay to do so once he'd been beaten because otherwise I just thought it'd be too depressing and i've now <laughs> paused on it until he fucking admits he lost um just because i kind of feel like i'm tempting fate by listening to that um, <laughs> But, uh, got Candyman and and Tenet got dead, 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 that this is the person that thinks that the work of Paulie Shaw is also a masterpiece. Well, we'll, we'll get to that later on the podcast, won't oh, we? Oh, will we? God. We will indeed. <laughs> um, yes, so what else happened in the news this week, Ian? Uh, Spike Lee uh, has set up his <laughs> his next film, uh, which um, <laughs> it's going to be a musical about Viagra. Yeah. I mean, why not? <laughs> it's going to be... That's going to be fucking brilliant, isn't it? Uh, um, uh, yeah. Certainly be something. Yeah. I'm, I, I am, mean, I, I am, I am very much looking forward to watching a movie about Denzel singing about getting a boner. I think it's more about the creation of Viagra, isn't it? I still want to hear Denzel sing about getting a boner. This is fucking amazing. So this is the quote that he sent Deadline, that Spike Lee sent Deadline. First and foremost, I thank Miss Jacqueline Shelton Lee. I thank my late mother for, as she would say, taking my nasty, narrow, rusty behind, dragging, kicking and screaming to the movies when I was a nappy headed kid growing up in the streets of the People's Republic of Brooklyn. I did not want to see corny people singing and dancing. I instead wanted to play with my friends on the block, stoop ball, stick ball, punch ball, softball, basketball, two hand touch, tackle football, Coco Livio, Johnny on the Pony, hot peas and butter, crack top, down the sewer, and of course, booties up. 
all the great New York street games that might be sadly lost forever. My father, Bill Lee, jazz folk bassist composer, hated Holly weird movies henceforth and whatnot. Me being the eldest of five children, I became mommy's movie dates. She was a cinephile. Thank you, Lordy. She didn't listen to my ongoing complaints about musicals. So finally going into my fourth decade as a filmmaker, I will be directing a dancing, all singing musical Spike Lee joint. And I can't wait. My mom's has been waiting too and that's the rogers and hammerstein truth roof and every single word is capitalized <laughs> do you know what though it's just having spike lee with his absolute fucking mojo back not just spike lee just just working because he likes working and that's what spike lee does but, but having spike lee uh, with his absolute mojo back is a fucking wonderful thing. I mean, yeah, just why the fuck not? Um, yeah, sounds incredible. Sounds incredible. Um, also, uh, Lynn Ramsey has uh, set up her next film. So uh, her last film being uh, You Were Never Really Here. And... She is uh, directing an adaptation of Stephen King's The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Drafting in uh, Stephen King correspondent Becky Foster here. Becky, is this one you've read? It is. I also have the pop-up book of it. Really? Yes. What's it about? Yes. It's in- That was incredibly difficult to find. <laughs> <laughs> um, It's a while since I've read it, so... um. I don't remember the finer details. Um, a girl goes missing in the woods and gets separated from her family, blah, blah, blah. Um, and she's a really big fan of Tom Gordon. And she kind of imagines that he's with her and, like, talking to her and stuff while she's lost. And does it... Does like Lynn Ramsey's kind of like style fit with this? It, it seems to me like this isn't going to be like a bombastic kind of epic like the it films. It, it maybe feels like something that's going to be a bit quieter no, it's, or more low key. Yeah. Um, and I think a bit more introspective than some of Stephen King's works have been in the past. So, yeah, I think it'll, it'll work. It's it, that kind of that sort of um not basicness that's not the word i'm searching like kind of starkness and 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 stuff and there are bits in it that are quite grim i think Mm. from what i remember um so i think yeah i think it could work really well it's it's a great book i just can't remember the the minutiae of the story but i I, I really loved it and the yeah the pop-up book's beautiful Great stuff. So that will pr- probably be hitting us in like 2022, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, I think so. It, it, it's only just been announced, and I can't see him getting the rafting gear, getting it cast, shot, <laughs> edited, and put out for what is it for 2021. And plus, the look at it and go, you know, 2022, we, we need we need some shit there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean that's it, isn't it? It's um, it's weird because you've got such a lot of um, products that's kind of waiting in the wings, but as soon as cinemas are open, they're going to be flooded with this content because these productions will all have bills to pay, you know? Um, and 
Yeah, it, 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 I, but then obviously there is going to be a little bit of a gap, you know, like not much as has been able to shoot. Um, I mean, even though uh, slight tangent, I will say I, and I, it sounds almost silly, but I've been very, very impressed with how the BBC has handled Strictly. Like we are very much a Strictly household. It's a, uh, it, 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 it's a big part of Saturday nights for us, and the way that they've been able to organize all that all that stuff and um you know it, it's the vibe doesn't feel any different even though at the moment the only audience are basically crew um you know nicola adams who was the, the first woman to be in a same-sex couple on well the first person to be in a same-sex couple on strictly this year had to pull out because her partner um got co uh, was diagnosed with covid um, but they just pick themselves up and, and brush themselves off. And just having that sense of normality has been lovely. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think biggest productions like that, like the Batman, like Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic Park Dominion have been able to shoot and whatnot. But I am looking forward to smaller things being able to get going again, you know, and um, it, it feels like hopefully in the next few months that that kind of stuff will be able to happen. Um 2021 is going to be really interesting because it kind of feels like there's going to be a lot of really, really fucking big mammoth blockbuster films finally being released and maybe not so much of the smaller stuff. Um, but, you know, we, we, we shall see. We shall see. That's it, yeah. It's, it's, going to be, it's going to be an interesting year next year in the same way as this was interesting. We, we, might, we might see from sort of like April through to december just an absolute fucking flood of stuff because there's stuff i think out there that people have just forgot was supposed to fucking come out uh like jungle cruise people have no one's talking about jungle cruise not not even fucking the rock is talking about jungle cruise mainly because he's shilling all of his underarm and stuff and he's um it is tequila constantly but um even he seems to it would be it wouldn't surprise me if someone said oh jungle cruise is out next month uh dwayne and he goes what Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, uh. I don't know. It's got next summer has got the potential to be the biggest summer in box office history. As long as people are OK to go to the cinema and not be outside socializing, um, you know, because I mean, that that's going to be a huge thing. I mean, like next year, music, summer music festivals are going to be fucking rammed. You know, you're going to have sports tournaments all over the fucking place next year, next summer. And it's like, how do cinemas actually compete with that? That That's going to be an interesting um, aspect to things, I think. Um, but, you know, we, we shall see. And yeah, the one film I keep on thinking, shit, I really wish I could get to see that because I'm so intrigued by it. Spiral. I want to fucking see what Chris Rock is doing in the Saw universe. Very, yeah. very, very badly. Yeah. Um, I think it's like March, isn't it, that comes out now? Yeah, it's some, something like that, I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's so interesting because, I mean, like, Lionsgate had Antebellum, which in the in the end of the day, just kind of like they just fucked off out on VOD because they knew that they didn't really have anything there. Whereas Spiral... They, you know, they they have saved it. They have said we're not going to fucking release it yet, and it just kind of makes me think, shit, are we going to have something quite interesting here? You know, um, it, 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 it's the it's the feeling of you know, it's, it's the same way Candyman, a, a remake of a, 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 a what essentially is a very cult um, horror movie from a, you know, let, let's be honest, nothing against Neil Costa, um, but not a named filmmaker with no particular name. 
um, actor, actors within any of the roles, um, you know, it would have been easy for them to have gone, fuck it, premium VOD, that. Mm. But they haven't. They've gone, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. So that just suggests to, to me that they know there's something there with it that they can go. No, we've, we 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 want to release this in a cinema. Mm. It, it, that that it means there's summer. This is it, though. I mean, like I th- I think we can start getting excited about 2021 in terms of film releases and whatnot. I just hope they make the money that they're hoping to make so that it doesn't like make them think, well, shit, the paradigm has shifted. Let's just release everything on fucking VOD. You know, um, I mean, actually that's a little bit of a segue to a bit of news as well. Like um, Cinemark in the U S has signed a deal with universal for their own kind of way of doing PVOD. Have you guys seen this? No. What's that? So basically, so Cinemark, I think they're like the second or the third biggest um, chain in, in, in the US. I think AMC are first, Regal's second, Cinemark are third, maybe. So Dave and, uh, they've agreed with Universal that if anything opens to $50 million or more in its opening weekend, then it can't go to PV, uh, it can't go to VOD for at least a month. And that's not even that long, is it? Let's be honest. That's not even that long. And but otherwise than the 17 days like they've got with AMC. Um, so now that makes it more likely that Cinemark will like stay open and be like showing content. But now it, with the vaccine, it's starting to feel like is that a short term way of getting money, which is going to fuck them in the end? Uh, you know, because that that's kind of opening some floodgates there, you know, Um, but the other chains are really going to have to kind of agree to that as well. Like, so Regal who like the Cineworld, uh, Cineworld own, if they agree to that, then the paradigm will shift. But at the moment they are standing so firm on no 90 day window. That is it. That it's not going to be worth universal's while to agree these deals but then not be able to show their films in regal cinemas. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, it, 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 it's an interesting case that, I mean, I, I wonder whether regal would be like, all right, fine. Two months. Or, so, you know, some, something like that. Like if it makes $50 million or more, you can't have it on VOD for two months. And then they've shortened the window by a month. Um, I don't know. In a year's time, it'll be interesting to see where uh, where it all is. And it's like, I I, I think seeing Mank is going to be an interesting experiment um, because so far when I booked my ticket this morning, only one other person had booked a ticket, but the listings had only come out yesterday. It'll be interesting to see how much appetite there is to see the new Fincher film two weeks before it hits Netflix. Or is it three weeks? Something like two, three weeks. Um, before it hits Netflix and how many people that will draw out. Um, I'm, you know, when I've been going to the cinema for the last couple of weeks, there's been fuck all people in there, but I didn't really expect anybody to be in for Honest Thief. I would like to think that there will be people there for Mank. So, you know, we we, we shall see. Um, but yeah, I think get excited about 2021. Hopefully it won't be the death of cinemas. I don't think it will. I, I think it could have the opposite effect, yeah. to be honest. That's it. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Yep. Uh, trailers. 
what have we got this week? There are some. There are some. Not a lot, but there are some. There are some. That was the weakest one. Ian, what are you seeing? Um, there's a Tom and Jerry movie that looks less impressive than what they did with Who Framed Roger Rabbit 30 years ago. It, it, it does, but I still laughed an awful lot at the trailer because Tom and Jerry, no matter what iteration, have a direct line to my funny bone. Oh. Jerry's a dick. Jerry's a dick, yeah. Jerry's a dick. He's a prick. <laughs> I watch animals hit the shit out of each other all day long, don't get me wrong. Um, And, like, the human cast in it is... Surprising. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking... Like Rob Delaney, uh, Michael Pena, Chloe Moretz. It's like, yeah, all right then. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll happily take lots to go see it, but it just like it kind of, I don't know. It just, I, I watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit a few weeks back, and it was like the fucking cartoons look better than Tom and Jerry doing this. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I would have preferred it if it was the cartoon version of Tom and Jerry and not the annoying um animated the, the, the cg animated ones you know i think i think that would have looked better but i think that would have looked better to people like our age whereas this wants to make money off kids who watch the tom and jerry show as it is now yeah uh right we also watched a, a trailer for a movie called sister of the groom okay an Alicia Silverstone uh, film where she is the sister of the groom at a wedding. Yeah, that's that description's in, more interesting than the trailer makes the movie look. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it 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 it's it, it, it it's gonna get lost in a VOD void. This movie, I think, uh, it looks. It's got that kind of title. That will get lost in a in a in a fucking VOD void. Yeah, it, it just it, it looks like it look it looks like a nothing movie. You know when you get the thing where people say, "How was this movie made?" With this one, there is a little bit like a, "How was this movie made?" It mm. just, yeah, it, it just looks kind of crappy, doesn't it? It does, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and then there's the. Um, absolutely fantastic looking but just really just like it's not gonna be a good time like it just it looks brilliant but it just i'm watching it going i just i i don't know if i've got the i'm going to watch it but it feels like a tiring movie to watch (laughs) yeah well pieces of all then yes yeah it's just a movie where you go, where you go. I'm just gonna be emotionally fucking drained by that. Yeah. When does it? It's a Netflix one, is it? It's yeah. Christmas in December, and then Netflix on the seventh of January. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And again, that kind of feels like one that may well actually get um uh, a cinematic release over here as well. And it's yeah, I don't know whether I want to go out and watch this I, yeah like, I, it just looks can, really fucking depressing i can see your point in that do you do you want it as much as we big up the cinema experience um do you want to be um watching that in a cinema mm. it, it just feels a little bit like i i think i think for my mental well-being i might be more comfortable watching that at home i think they might be benefited by watching it in the more intimate setting of watching it in your home anyway possibly yeah possibly 
Uh, in saying that, though, if it isn't the cinema, I probably will end up still going to see it in the cinema. I mean, yeah. <laughs> because that's where we will live once it will. Because yeah, the cinema will basically feel like oh, if, if that. But yeah, I, I probably will end up going to see this at, at, at the cinema if, if if the option is there. Mm. Um, but yeah, it does look like it's going to be. I, I have a feeling this is the one that I've been talking about where someone's going to come slightly out of left field and just clean up at the awards. Could be. Yeah, Vanessa Kirby's getting some uh, pretty fucking good buzz, and it, it it's interesting. This is the kind of like the smaller film that would usually struggle um, with that, but it is a little bit. Well, who else is going to get nominated? Because Frances McDormand's going to get nominated for Nomadland, but she's already got two. Two, yeah. Um, and with Best Actress, they do like celebrating the the bright young thing. You know, it's um. Emma Stone, Brie Larson and whatnot that, you know, actors don't tend to get celebrated in their youth, but they, for some reason, they do like celebrating young, beautiful actresses. Um, so Vanessa Kirby could well be onto a winner there. Um, I, I, I do think as well, this could be, this could be the movie that gets my prediction out there that Shia LaBeouf will win an Academy Award before he's 40. So supporting actor, the f- yep. it, it's it'll be interesting though because supporting actor you're gonna have all the trial of the Chicago Seven guys, um, and I don't know what they're gonna be campaigning Chadwick Boseman um, for for Mar Mar Rainey, um, because the early word from that is basically he is going to win a posthumous Oscar. That he would have been a strong contender if he hadn't have died, but the fact he's passed away, you know, um. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It, it, but it's the kind of thing that Shia LaBeouf needs. He needs to be in a big Oscar-y film to get in the minds of Oscar voters again. Yeah, because the thing is, he's he's quietly been brilliant in things for a good few years now. Yeah. Um, and it, like you say, it just seems like this may be, it might, this might be a stepping stone to the next one that gets me. But I do, I, I've just got a little bit of a feeling. I thought it was really because I, I thought it was really interesting. Was it um last year or the year maybe the year before? Yeah, where Shia LaBeouf and the uh, the lad from Peanut Butter Falcon presented an award. Yeah, um, you uh, know, like, yeah, yeah. So this, yeah, what, what, that, what that this year? Pretty, maybe that was this year. It was this year. Because Peanut Butter Falcon was like the most successful independent film of last year at the yeah it was last year at the u.s box office so it would have been this year that yeah um i mean originally deserved because being about the falcons fucking fantastic film um but um yeah yeah so i mean that's the thing like he's obviously still in that consciousness but yeah if he i could see him getting a a nomination for this yeah i I suppose it depends on how large his bottom how large his part is that's that, that that that's it. How how large how how big a role he has in it. It could could, could sort of determine mm-hmm. that. Yeah, because you, it, the problem you have sometimes with best supporting actor is people will be put forth best supporting actor when it's not a supporting performance. It's the lead performance, mm. but they don't they win lead actor, so they put them in best supporting. Yeah, you know, and that's been going on for decades. Well, that's the thing. It's um supernova as well what was it i think they're campaign i want to say they're campaigning colin firth in lead and 
Tucci in supporting. Because, I mean, th- th- this is the thing, you know, you've got these big Oscar-y films coming out in December, January, which usually would be the time to do them. But with the Oscars being in April, who knows? Like, um, Supernova, I think, comes out in the in the new year in the US. The eligibility is until, like, February or something like that. I mean, it'll be so interesting, though, because, like, obviously, if vaccine stuff starts happening early on in the year you could well have a couple of months of like Oscar campaigning. And if if there was like a proper Oscar campaign in like March, April, that could be really fun because fuck me, are people going to want to blow off steam? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I'm fucking excited for 2021. I think I said last week as well, but I'm excited for 2021. I'm going to see you fuckers at some point as well. (laughs) And it's going to be great. Damn Scott, right. work out what for. In, in terms of film. Film, not just a film. <laughs> <laughs> Ian joins us for Tom and Jerry the movie. Fuck off. <laughs> Jesus wept. <laughs> right, uh, we'll go to our first feature uh, review. We need to rest. We need a break. Please. Come on. We need to rest. I can't do it. You don't know what we've been through. There could be anything. Get in the water. If you don't get in the water, you're gonna die. We have to do something, sir. She's dead. You're wasting ammo. Rogue is a uh, 2020 action film directed by N.J. Bassett, um, a British filmmaker. Um, she directed uh, Death Watch, the uh, Jimmy Bell movie. I didn't. I always found that out. I just checked that a second ago. I really enjoyed that movie actually. Uh, stars uh, Megan Fox uh, and a bunch of other people. Uh, what is the story about? Ah uh, oh, shit! There's no plot synopsis on its Wikipedia page. Do you know why? <laughs> because there's no plot. Uh, so what's it about? Uh, about O'Hara is a mercenary leading a squad of soldiers on their mission to rescue hostages in a remote park of that part of Africa. Unfortunately, the mission goes wrong and the team is stranded, forced to survive against the local rebels and lions. And a lion. A really bad CGI. Um, So um, we'll come to you in a second, Becky, because you seem to be. (laughs) Yeah, you've got a lot of shit to say, Bex. Fair play. It's not really an awful lot of shit to say about it is there well, well, well Ian what do you think of Rogue <laughs> that's mean um yeah I mean it was alright it was fine um I needed it to be 5000% more silly um you know there was that one bit where they were singing Backstreet's Back and then the lion got the one guy and the guy said, oh, that happened, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. Um, but aside from that, 
it's very, very, very self-serious. Yeah. There's an awful lot of time downtime with the characters, but they're all just doing derivative military stereotype things. Um, as Beck said, the CG lion is awful. And then at the end, it tries to make you feel bad with a title card basically saying, hey, you know, you just enjoyed this film and you fucking shouldn't have. Um, I I just Megan Fox as a mercenary versus a man-hating lion should be way more fucking fun than this is yeah and that's me Bex what do you think Rog well just going back to Ian saying about the the quote of well that happened I think that pretty much sums up the film (laughs) it was there then it finished. It's just, it's so fucking nondescript, with the exception of the bad bits, like the CGI lion. It's just, the, the plot is shit. The the only kind of um, bit worth commenting on is, what's her name? Uh, Megan Fox must have a really good little fucking travel kit with makeup in it. Because, you know... Her eye makeup's on point, and it wouldn't be. And it's just stupid little shit like that. And it's like she's clearly done it because she's been like, oh, do you know what? I want to, I want to stop doing like pretty girl roles and do like, I want to actually like have a career where I do actual like meaty roles. And yet, she's prettied up all the way through it. It's just, it, it, it's completely, it goes against what she's clearly trying to do. And if she's trying to get like meaty roles to prove herself as an actress, this ain't it. Can you stop saying meaty roll? It's making me hungry. <laughs> Sorry. That's pretty much all I've got to say about his crap. <laughs> it made me sad. Um, yeah, it's not very good, uh, is the answer. It's it's also, like you were saying there, Ian, it's 105 minutes long. Yeah, fucking hell, yeah, it is. It's long, this, eh? This movie should be no more than 92 minutes long. Mm. Um. But it's, yeah, like you said in there, it, it's either got to go one of two ways. Uh, it's either got to be way more serious or it's got to be... Um, way more fun. Way more fun. And I mean, like, way more fun yeah. uh, than it actually is. Because it, it, it never gets weird enough or it never gets... Um, it goes places that it, that it could go to, where it could have a lot of fun with it. It just tries to constantly have this level of sort of seriousness to it without ever actually being serious. Um, the, uh, there was a weird point that I, I, I pointed out to, to Bex while we were watching it, was at the start, um, when they go to um, capture, to, to rescue the, the asset, God, yeah. yeah, constantly calling it the asset. Get the asset. I guarantee you, the first fucking hack um, SAS or Marine who mentioned to a film producer, yeah, when we're going to get something, we don't call it like a person or anything like that, we call it asset. <laughs> yeah. um, I really fucking regret saying that <laughs> because now it is constant uh, in that. It's like the one, the first guy who was like a fucking an advisor who said, 
we never talk. We always just use hand signals. And it's a lot of hand signals. And you get the feeling, like, when you watch anything about people who actually have done this for a living, they go, we don't do that. That is just not what fucking happens. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of, like, generic, like, fucking nonsense that is there with mercenaries and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, it, when they, they're first in that bit and you've got the the head fucking guy of the uh, the bad dudes who's running around with an Adidas tracksuit with a really fucking thick London accent. <laughs> yeah. um, he's just wearing an Adidas tracksuit t-shirt, just shouting, you try to fucking take my fucking things. Try to fucking take my things. Um, you, that, that, that was his voice. Yeah. I'm uh, a bad man. I've got a gun. Yeah. It was like that. But at what point, right, in between that moment where they where they take his things and fucking drive off, at what point did he go, oh, fuck, wait a minute, I need to go and get my scarf to prove that I am, you know, essentially one of those bad people, not just a generic bad trafficker. Because <laughs> yeah. he isn't wearing the scarf at all during, like, the siege bit um, that's there. But then during the chase and after that, he is. <laughs> and it just feels like, do you know what? You don't need that extra layer that's no. on it. You, you, you're piling so much on this fucking film that none of it ends up having any fucking meaning by the end of it. Mm, yeah. It just, it's a little bit like, ah, oh, fuck off. Mm. It, it's, I hate to say it, but there is a dickhead somewhere on this fucking staff with a fucking MAGA hat on going, make up Muslim. Yeah, yeah. Make up Al-Qaeda. It just, it, it felt very, you didn't need that from this movie. Mm. Um, that, no, no, you're, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It was like every now and then, like that, that one guy who used to be a wrong and now he's not. And, like, talking about how his wife and family oh. were killed and whatnot. It, it's like... I, I can't... That, that, that I, ten minute scene where, for no reason, the spoiled British girl is fucking chewing him out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of just want to see CG lions, like, eat people. I want Deep Blue Sea free. Yeah. And I got Born Free. It, it, yeah, that 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 is exactly it. It was that scene. I I kept saying, Abex and going, why is this scene so long? She's <laughs> chewing out this poor guy about the fact he actually helped save you, mm. and now you're having a go at him because yeah, he, he used to he used to be one of them. People can change, Mini Karen. And it's like, oh fuck <laughs> off. And it's yeah. Fucking hell. And then it's not anything about any army shit or trafficking shit. It's about lion breeding. But it's not even about that. It's not about anything. It's not about... It's, it literally is... It, it, it's a hodgepodge of just things that somebody's annoyed about. But literally the most fucking basic, not even read the 140 character tweet about it, <laughs> has just looked at it and gone, oh yeah, lions, why fucking end up like that? <laughs> yeah, it's one scene that one advert that's on in Cine World before the films start and gone. No. Yeah, 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 literally, literally that. 
it's it it's not very good and that that one fucking trailer about a lion breeding and hunting before films in Cineworld has more emotion in it this entire film. Yeah, it's it, it's not very good. It, it, it's and the thing is, I don't mind Megan Fox. I don't mind Megan Fox. I want to see her do something really good, but I mean, keeps... you spent the entire movie slagging her off because she was shitting it. <laughs> you you literally said. That, 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 that no woman in the world <laughs> wants to be friends with Megan Fox. But you wouldn't, would you? She'd steal your man. <laughs> but still. Yeah, if we don't want to be friends with her, it doesn't mean we don't want to like be her. <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's 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 not very good. Um I I I, I, and I don't like doing this because I, I was actually kind of looking forward to this, but I expect it to be more fun than this. It, it it's shit. Yeah, it's shit. Um I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's a two out of five, that shit. I was kind of thinking, would I go 2.5 touching? Co- I know, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, it is shit. No, yeah, we... not, not, not like, I'm not aggressively so. Like, Becky seems to have been actively annoyed by it, which which is making, I... it makes I... me laugh, I... sorry. Sorry. It's because I, I like Megan Fox and, you know, yeah, she has been badly treated by, like, Hollywood and stuff. And people do shit on her because she's pretty and pe- women don't like other pretty women generally because it makes us feel threatened. So people are horrible about her and I want her to do something really good and this just isn't it. Can I ask a question? Just, oh. This is a genuine, a serious question, right, about yeah. the whole Megan Fox. And you are right, people have been shit on yeah. her because she is... Well, object to be very attractive. Oh, I got uh, sexually harassed in Hollywood. Yeah, but what do you expect looking like that? It, that's not right. Go on. Um, now, but there are, she has peers around her that are also very attractive that don't get the, that didn't get the shit that was piled upon. What is it? She don't always seems to, I might be complete talking complete bollocks here, but there always seems to be a little bit more of a, a lean to a softer side if you happen to be blonde mm. in this scenario. There is that. Megan Fox does have a serious case of RBF as well. Yes, she does have a serious case of resting bitch first, yeah. So, uh, I mean, there is that. She does seem cold and she does seem... She's quite private as well, which I think people like, for instance, you Margot Robbie, they invite you to an extent into their lives. I don't think she does. Well, she's friendly in interviews and stuff like that in a way that Megan Fox just isn't. But do you think that, but, but, but then again, that's what I'm saying, it, it's perceived that that, but she is very private. She does interviews, mm. what is it? she doesn't do interviews or photo shoots out of that. She literally just fucks off back to Australia and just hangs about the beach with her husband. Yeah. Uh, her husband, I think, who is a, um, a cameraman. Um, but... Um, Maybe it's because she's brunette. But, yeah, <laughs> if, 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 Maggie, if, let's say, Magarobi was a brunette, would people call her cold or a, a bit of a bitch and stuff like that? Maybe. Is there a little bit of hair colour bias? Possibly. I mean, to be fair, though, Margot Robbie does know how to smile. That is a good point. So... That's a good point. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's shit, unfortunately. Just have to wait for Midnight in the Switchgrass and see if she can do something good with that. What's that? That's the. Uh, is she's, that one she's in with uh, Machine Kelly? Colton Baker, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, an FBI agent and Florida State officer team up to investigate a string of unsolved murder cases. I mean, that already sounds better than this. It's got a storyline. It does sound very good. Yeah. Hang on, Hang on. That's, that's Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly. And Bruce Willis and Emile Hirsch. The fuck's this called? Midnight in the Switchgrass. When the fuck's that coming out? I want it. It's uh, out next year. It's in post-prod. Who's directing it? Um, Randall Emmett. Uh, who did that no, no. where well, i was producer on the irish he's uh he's been um one of scott's producers the past what is it? it's his directorial debut i believe okay all right you got me back in the room then i thought it was gonna be one of those ones where like it was shot in bulgaria and bruce willis flies in on a helicopter gets a million dollars and flies out again <laughs> uh, uh no it, give me two seconds I'll just 15 rose stallone's in it as well just go back to the white second the director for a second just want to check something I don't know how you uh, backed me up. I don't know. You you use Bex. IMDb in a right random way. While you guys are doing that, Bex, can I ask you a question? Yeah. When he says, can you go back to the what, what is it? Do you ever understand what he means? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, always. Yeah, all right. Yeah. You're like the Rosetta Stone for Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. He's got his own little special language. You've got to, you've got to get on board or just be lost. Yeah. I mean, this is a hell of a producing fucking credits this man's got. So in the past few years, he's done. He was a producer on Silence. Um, I'm just gonna do like some greatest hits here. Yeah. Uh, this is like say like just in the past. Let's go the past sort of five years. Uh, Mississippi Grind, Everest, Heist, um, Silence, Gotti, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Escape yeah. Plan Two, Mile Twenty Two. Speed Kills, Escape Plan 3, The Irishman, uh, and War with Grandpa. What a weird mix. So yeah, it is a weird mix. But yeah, it's totally debut. It, that sounds like it could be quite quite interesting. I mean, all right. What the fuck? Is it like he's got something on De Niro? Just go through those last few ones. There were, with... A few of those were, were De Niro movies, because Heist is the De Niro uh, movie. So the, yeah, because that's that's what I'm thinking, right? So like Heist, Irishman, War with Grandpa, whatever. What are the ones he didn't do with De Niro? Well, he was also a producer on um, End of Watch and um, and uh, Film Bastard's favorite Alex Cross. Fucking hell! What what production company does he have? Like, because I bet we know the logo. I'm gonna have a look now. I'm gonna have a look because um... let's deep dive this shit. Yeah, let's fucking let's do it. Let's fucking What's go. What's his name? Randall Emmett. Yeah. End of watch. Right, let's see if we can find him. Producer, producer, producer. I feel like we're in it, where it's like you don't remember <laughs> then you don't remember their, like, their existence until you kind kind of start talking about them. And now we've said the name Randall Emmett and conjured it into being. He's kind. Of, He's Randall Emmett, um, he's a chairman and co-founder of production company Emmett, uh, Furler and Oasis Films. So what the fuck? Why don't I recognise? God, he's only 49. In 1985, Emmett his career as personal assistant to Mark Wahlberg. Fucking <laughs> hell, good for him. I mean... EFO. God damn, look at this shit. I God. do not recognise that logo. 
But fuck me, he's done so much. He's Good got honest. so many credits. Yeah. But a lot of these are De Niro's. Yeah, but like the proper fucking yeah, the, 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 dregs. The, 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 direct, the, the direct De Niro ones. The ones that only people like me have seen. <laughs> Heist actually is good, though. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed Heist. Uh, Crossfire, not so. Oh, he's a producer on Boss Level. Yep. I'm looking forward to Boss Level. Hey, guys. Noel here. I just wanted to interrupt this movie podcast to tell you about another movie podcast you might want to add to your list. Every week, the newly rebooted Film Ramp podcast brings you a couple of casual reviews of whatever I've been watching and a little bit of chat about our beloved world of cinema. Sometimes new films, sometimes old films, very often both, but always just a little outside of the bigger mainstream release schedule. And in each episode, I also break down one item from the film news pages to offer my own thoughts and opinions in a section called Listen Up Hollywood. So, if you fancy a new, light and breezy film podcast on your listening schedule, why not give the all-new Film Ramp podcast a go? Just visit wearepodsyndicate.com or search The Film Ramp Podcast on your favourite podcast app or provider. Come on, everybody sing it. you a craft beer junkie? Do you eagerly anticipate the freshest IPA release from your local craft brewer? Do you check in every beer you've ever had on Untapped? Do you know the difference between a Belgian triple and a Berliner Weisse? Then do we have a podcast for you. What's Untapped podcast gives you beer reviews, interviews with brewers, behind the scenes, access to beer festivals, games, and more. Whether you're a craft beer junkie or new to the world of craft brewing, What's Untapped podcast is something for you. Check us out online, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and now we are podsyndicate.com. And as always, keep drinking, you dum-dums. I feel like we've uncovered some sort of conspiracy. I think we have, like, <laughs> like the first people who realised that, uh, what's his name, the editor of the uh, Coen Brothers films wasn't actually real. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this guy ain't real. It's, it, it's, it's a collection of people. <laughs> uh, right, so we're going to talk about uh, Peninsula, but before we do that, um, just for context... I only watched uh, Train to Busan literally just before um, we watched Peninsula, didn't we? Oh, that's interesting. You'd not seen it before. I had not seen Train to Busan. Becky had seen it four times, um, and I had not watched it. Um, Becky also kept on just literally reacting to things that were happening in Train to Busan as if she hadn't seen it. <laughs> I actively try to forget stuff that I'm going to rewatch. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, very quickly, uh, my thoughts on Train to Busan. Um it's it's good it's entertaining it is uh it gets you involved in it um i think the social things it's 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 trying to say about how selfish people have become and how people are only uh interested in what directly affects them is fine but it bangs you over the head with it way too much um uh, like the majority of korean films it does not know when to fucking end um and it, it should have ended a good 20 minutes before it did. 
uh, and it would have made it a much, much better movie. That ending, though. What? How fucking tense is that ending? The ending's... They're going to get fucking shot, aren't they? The ending's very tense, <laughs> but you could have had that um, without having all of the, essentially, that bit after they get off the train and then they have to try and get on another train again. And what is it? That, that it doesn't... Yeah, you could have probably skipped you, that. You don't need that. It, it was a bit like, oh, I've already seen all this. Oh, great, this guy's back. Brilliant, fantastic. It, it was a little bit like that for me. I was getting a little bit wary of it. Mm. And my God, well, there, there is literally two things that are like fucking nails down a chalkboard for me. Before you go into them, because I think it will be relevant. What? Would you rather listen to that child sing or they both get shot in the head? Both get shot in the head. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it is children screaming goes straight through me. And then closely followed by children singing, right? I'm not surprised he didn't go to recital. I wouldn't go to recital because the sound of children singing is a horrendous thing. Nobody enjoys these things at all, right? That's fine. She could get another guilt week. It's fine. That's it. So. I mean, she already has two. Yeah, well, she can have fucking three, can't she? I don't think she can play three at the same time. Well, let's see in the next movie. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't follow on, does it? Train to Busan presents the Wii Games. The Wii Games. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Peninsula is a, a, a sequel um, that is kind of making more of like an anthology thing, I think, with it. It's set in the same world. But set it's in the same, the same universe, characters. but it's not the same characters. Yeah. Um, so it is... Is it directed by the same dude? Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Um... Yon Sang-ho um, and stars Gang uh, Dong-won, uh, Lee Jung-hun, uh, Lee Ray and uh, Kwon Hae-yoi. For me, I think I did all right with that. Yeah, you did all right. Uh, we, we might have a Korean listener who is listening to it going, oh my God, what did you just say? <laughs> I think you probably offended someone. But yeah, but that's better than me pronouncing most normal names. <laughs> Well, I mean, to be fair, Digimon Honsune's put a blood curse on you, so you know this this was I mean, probably better. I, I, I am fine with that. Um, I I respect his his right to do that, <laughs> and, and with good cause. Um, so it's set four years after, where uh, the um, Korean Peninsula essentially has become off limits. Um, it's basically cordoned off. Yeah, it's it, basically yeah. cordoned off. It's basically become New York in Escape from New York. Yeah, but without it being a prison. Um, they uh, we join. Uh, I think probably not at the four years point, is it? Quite yet. At the no, start of it, right it it's start. still right at the start of, of, of what's happening. Uh, where we meet our uh, the rescue refugees and taking them to other countries. Yeah, the rescue refugees taking other countries. Um, you have a soldier with his sister, his nephew, and her husband gets them onto one of these boats. And what have you, uh, the sister and the nephew get eaten by a zombie-infected dude. And then it flashes to four years later. He has essentially been used as like a a fighter, <laughs> essentially, like underground boxing, it would assume, mm-hmm. or something like that, by gangsters in Hong Kong, who then offer them the chance to go back to the peninsula to get a truck that's filled with $20 million. 
worth mentioning as well that after the incident with the infected on the boat that killed his sister and nephew, they stopped rescuing refugees and just left them there. Yes. Yeah. That was the trigger point. Um, and so, yeah, so they go back. But what you have yet, um, a rogue military group has taken over and other bits that we'll get into as we go. Um, Becky, coming on this one first. Uh, what did you think to uh, Peninsula? Because you were a big fan of Train of Busan, weren't you? Yeah, it's very yeah. good. Um, do you know what? I was really, really excited for this um, because I like Train of Busan as much. And this looks like Train can, of I ask, can I ask um, a real quick question? Yeah. Had you read much about the like the word on it before going in? No. Okay, cool. Go ahead. Why? What was the word on it? I'm intrigued, and I, 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 I'm not trying to trick you or anything. I, I just, I, 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 I'm really intrigued now to see what you thought. It feels like you're trying to trick me. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, from the trailer, it looked like they'd taken the kind of the the general vibe of of Train to Busan and then just kind of given it loads of e numbers and sent it out on its way. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean. Zombie movies, fucking love zombie movies, so I was down with that. Um, I thought it was really, really good. It, it, for me, it's not as good as Train to Busan. I think the um, the juxtaposition in Train to Busan of the fairly normal people on a normal day that goes wrong and the pacing of them versus the super fast zombies is it makes it tenser and it makes it more scary and it's it's there's more with the zombies whereas the the bad guys in this aren't really the zombies it's more this military group mm-hmm. um so i think from fr- from that point of view train to busan is scarier for me because it that could happen whereas this doesn't feel like it could happen i think zombies could be real at some point some fucking laboratory is going to accidentally release something and <laughs> All right, you will. <laughs> Fucking hell, Bex. Well, it is, and then we're going to all have to get our machetes and just, like, <laughs> make the best of it. Um, so, yeah, but it's um, it's it's a lot of fun. The It's more much more action-y than the first one. Um, that girl with her driving is an absolute fucking badass. Mm. I want to be able to drive like that. I'm going to train. She's got some good pushed action going on she does yes um yeah it's really fun the, the story is not again not as deep as train to busan and and it doesn't go as much into the kind of um people kind of elements of it but it's it's still a good enough storyline to, to to carry the action along um so yeah i really really enjoyed it to be honest ian what do you think to train to busan peninsula yeah, no, I mean, like, so the reason why I was asking is because, like, it kind of felt like when the first one came out, it was, like, everyone's favourite genre film of, of that year. And I, I, I watched it and was just like, yeah, it was fine, you know. Um, But now the reaction to this one has generally been, oh, fucking hell, it, was, it wasn't really, it wasn't really a patch on the first one, blah, 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 blah. blah. So I, 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 I like that. I, I I think you enjoyed it in the way that it was meant to be intended there, but you know it, it it feels like this is one where it's kind of just meant to be a fun action horror mm. as opposed to a horror thriller. Um, 
And why people will be disappointed if they've gone into it expecting something tonally the same as Train to Busan, but yeah. just watch the trailer. It's very clear that it's not. And I mean, this is the thing as well. I mean, like, to be fair, they do set it up with the fact that it's Train to Busan presents Peninsula. You know, it's like it's directed by the same guy for fuck's sake, and it's not called Train to Busan 2, which, you know, probably says something there. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say, it, you know, it was the, the best action film of the year or anything. You know, it hasn't really got that much competition, to be fair. Um, but I think realising that as I said it, a Tenet is a better action film than Peninsula. Um, Birds of Prey is a better action film than Peninsula. Anyway, um, God, Birds of Prey was this year. How fucking momentous. <laughs> Right, Parasite won Best Picture this year. And it feels Fuck. like eight years old. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Just crazy, crazy. Anyway, um, God, wow, that kind of air travel was happening in March um, or February. No, it was early this year. Anyway, sorry. So, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. It's a fun action film, which I... I kind of wish it leaned into the crazy a little bit more. Like that, that that one bit where all those numbered guys are in there kind of waiting for whatever the fuck's going to come out. And then what comes out? Just a big fucking mound of zombies. Yeah, I did quite like the way they had, like the, the zombie movements were a lot different than in the first one. Like with the the weird flippy over bit, even like right at the start in when when they're on the boat and the sure. zombie kind of wakes up and then just flips over himself. There was some good imagery. Yeah, no, no, yeah, quite. I mean, I, I, I thought it was very visceral, but just like, that was so like gnarly and um, it felt a little bit World War z you know, the, the kind of like the anthill kind of way of the, the, the zombies there. And I, I, I liked that, you know. I mean, like the, the, the characters are fairly derivative and, you know, it's kind of weird how the zombies are almost in the background for for so much of the film but i you know for as for a pure genre pick i had a lot of fun with it um it i i think though it's interesting though because it seems like a lot of people who loved to train to busan weren't really on board with this and yet there you are bex you've seen train to busan four times and you had a really good time with it so um like you say, I think it's probably you get out of it what what you bring into it. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, good. Yeah, yeah. Mark, what do you think? I was just going to say, I, I have yet to meet a zombie film that I don't like. So I, oh. I am easy pickings for this film. Oh, it's not a bad thing. Uh, I, I, I really like Trent of Busan presents Peninsula. Did you, would you say, Mark, prefer it to Trent of Busan? Yes. <laughs> I think I, I did. To say, and sorry, yeah, I, I'll just say I think I like this more than the first one. Sorry, Mark. Yeah. I, 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 the reason why is I think this better encapsulates what it's trying to do than Train to Busan. Um, what? Really? Yeah, I think Train to Busan. It, the problem with Train to Busan is, is it's so heavily trying to push its message onto you that about forty-five minutes into it, you're going, "We get it." Now try and go back to being tense and fun. Um, whereas Peninsula is basically going uh, less of a message, more of if John Carpenter directed a Mad Max movie. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. And, and, and do you know what? 
if you say to me, oh, there's this movie and it, it's basically, it, it, it's like if John Carpenter diets a Mad Max movie. Oh, really? Well, fucking sign me the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the girl in the car, absolute fucking just, just great. I don't care about the lack of physics in it. I, that's not what I'm there for. I actually read something to be complaining about the physics of that car. Oh, and it's like, say, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but zombie. Mm. fucking zombies, zombies the happen. physics don't matter zombies it, you pick a fucking lane oh the little one with her with a fucking remote control yeah. cars as well that was cool they, they were fun and they were cool and then also well what I will say is um, Kang Dong Wu um, fucking hell that guy that guy could be a fucking megastar which one's he he's the, the lead the main guy yeah the lead guy mm. um, he was in terms of the the more kind of weighty um, sort of dramatic bits, less so, but the action bits. Oh, yeah, sorry. He good. was fucking mm. brilliant in, he, in that. He was good in it. She, she was fantastic, yeah. And again, same mm. with the action bits. But if the guys who are doing um, John Wick 4, <laughs> I'm not looking at this movie and going, get him in the fucking movie. Because the him as the super fucking soldier when he gets out and he's unleashed on things was just, I could have watched an entire fucking movie of that. He was absolutely just engaging. And same for her as well. Just engaging to watch of, fucking hell, this guy looks like an absolute fucking badass. That bit that you get with him where he's in the the fucking, the compound bit and he, they, they both burst in. And she goes up to him, you've got two minutes and we need to go soon. And he fucking runs off to save his brother-in-law that he doesn't even like. Um, that whole bit there, it's like, this guy's fucking great. This guy is fucking charismatic as fuck at doing what he's doing there. What I was going to say there, I think it's very difficult sometimes for charisma to come across when you're watching a film that isn't it, in the language yeah. that you speak. The fact that it does for... The th- what, what I would say probably the three main characters which are the mum, the eldest daughter and the him no no, the, oh, yeah. the, the, the main dude um, oh no, him, the eldest daughter and the mum is is I think a testament to how good they actually are in there yeah but the, 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 the bit where at the end remember guys we all spoil it all the time where the mum's about to kill herself for no apparent reason actually that doesn't make sense at yeah, all but let's cross over that um, and he turns around the little girl and goes I'm going to get your mum I was watching going, yeah, I bet you fucking will. Because I bet you fucking can. <laughs> what I don't get is why, when she turns around and go and says, that favour you owe me, my children, don't let anything happen to them. And he picks the kid up, which, by the way, is fucking brilliant. The way he's fucking running, just holding that fucking kid was like, this is fucking brilliant. The, the the world building. The oh, fucking Mark, there. we get it. You want to suck him off. I right? would. The fucking, the, the fucking the set design is fantastic, but at that point he just said, "You know I can carry you." Yeah, that's the little sister. Do. She, the biggest sister, she can carry her. I'll carry you. It's I'm fine. We'll be good. Give me a piggyback. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go. And then when these kids are going to bed, we're going to fuck. <laughs> I mean, they so are. Oh yeah, Trades of Big Sam Three Peninsula Part Two is just going to be they are together because they fucked yeah. without well, fucking question. Train to Busan presents penis in her. Yeah. <laughs> just, 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 just. Call on. Yeah. Oh, they fucked. Oh, 
Yeah, uh, it's fucking great. It's too long again because Korean movies and being too long. Um, but yeah, I actually don't think this one feels too long in the same way. The ending kind of it, it lingers a little bit yeah. too much on things. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it's like we didn't need that other bad guy to come back again. Oh, God. oh the fucking like the skinny skinny so, um, captain guy. Yeah. Or the, the, yeah. The, again, I was looking at it going. I don't get why they still see him as being in charge. Even though I did, I did quite like the like the the whole ending with him, where it's like he drives the fucking truck into the ship or whatever, and it's like, here's your money. Who are you? You're not the guy. Oh yeah, what? Well, bang bang, <laughs> just like fucking dead. The thing is, you know they're gonna kill him <laughs> as well. I just, oh, I don't know, I just thought it was funny. It's like, you're not, you're not the guy we were expecting. Like, they weren't just going to kill the guy they were expecting as well. You know, it, it's, I don't know, it just made me laugh. But then the fact that it's like, and then they all get fucking offed anyway, you know, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I just like, I, that that was a fun ending. And again, it's exactly what you expect it to, to be. You know, I mean, I half expected um someone to fucking, like, ki- get killed and, um, for them to say like choke on them like um roads in uh day of the dead <laughs> yeah you know like I, I was expecting it to do that you know it, it's a fuck it's a fun film it's a fun film honorable mention to that escalator both the bit where the fucking moon comes out and you see all the zombies in it and the bit where he shoots it out and they all fucking pour out oh yeah that's really good really yeah. enjoyed that yeah it, it, it's great and that, that the chase scene is brilliant mm. Yeah, it is very, very good, yeah. It's, yeah. Fast zombies. I don't think there's much that's more scary than that. Yeah. Apart from home, home invaders. The, 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 the thing of, of him going past where the, you've got the uh, the overpass has been shot down and you know he knows all those zombies are in there. And yeah, he goes, yeah, and he says pull across to that. Yeah. And it's like you go, oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> he just can't calmly shoots like he, it's not like he fucking sprays it with bullets either is it it's like shot 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 oh, yeah. And, yeah. and they're just fucking and it's a, there's a delay as well and you're watching the glass crack and you know but they don't know yeah i love that bit it was it was it was great yeah um, i definitely not shit Same. Yeah, yeah definitely not shit and i think i think we can we can all agree that mark would suck that chap's cock yes i would yep. yeah yep. Absolutely. Um, and yeah and, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that <laughs> Is I, I I think that you go to like King Sherman. You do you. I I I, I will. Um, while I'm watching Peninsula tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not shit. Thirty-three percent. Touching cloth. Thirty-three percent. And shit. Thirty-three percent was mm. our audience poll. Did I do the one for Rogue? I no, don't think I did. Did I? But by the way, our Rogue one was definitely not shit. Twenty-five percent. Good on you, that person who liked that. Um, touching cloth, 25%, and shit, 50%. That way. Uh, Ian, what have you been watching, bud? Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, I mentioned early on a film that I watched on Friday night and barely remember. That film is Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, which uh, is uh, it, Netflix's kind of early Christmas entrance. Uh, there's two Netflix early Christmas entrants I'll be speaking about today. Uh, so this is directed by uh, playwright David E. Talbot and um, stars uh, 
Forrest Whitaker, Keegan-Michael Key, Hugh Bonneville, Annika Noni-Rose, uh, Ricky Martin as the voice of an evil toy soldier. Um, so, yeah, uh, story of this. John Legend. Yeah. Like, this, this, like, it looks like they fucking put some money into this as well. Um, basically, um, Forrest Whitaker, when he's younger, he's a toy maker. His inventions get stolen by an apprentice. Like, 20 years later, he's played by Forrest Whitaker. He's uh, lonely and pissed off. Um, and his granddaughter comes back into his life trying to, like get him back going again basically um so yeah i mean it, it's weird there's an opening number that's basically the greatest show, uh, showman but christmas um uh, you know i mean uh, th- th- this is heavily with i i had quite a few drinks on friday it's 125 minutes long i just had a look at that it's quite long isn't it yeah um didn't hold me through the whole thing if i'm honest i you know but um forest whitaker's got some pipes on him songs are decent the whole message of it is quite heartwarming but i'll be honest apart from the fact it was snowy and about toys there were i don't know why a christmas journey is a little bit really i didn't really feel that christmasy about it like it's just it's a family film um but yeah i mean it, it's you know if if your kids are into it then absolutely fair play lottie switched off very very quickly um and i did as well so jingle jangle i it, you know it was meh also meh is operation christmas drop um another netflix original christmas film um, you see, the thing is, there's no Christmas prints this year. So I'm having to find my fucking methadone where I can. I wonder why. Corona. Can only be the reason why I got it, yeah. To be honest, I they I think they shoot them in like the fucking spring and then release them in the in the in the winter. Like they they turn around those things quite quickly, and I think COVID doesn't help with that. So. I mean, to be fair, Christmas Prince 3 was about how they had to stop a curse from threatening the royal family. So they'd already pretty much run out of ideas. Um, So, you know, maybe take a year off and reboot and come back with something even better. Um, But yeah, Operation Christmas Drop, which is based on a real life thing where the US military gives supplies to remote communities i believe in the pacific but here it's the assistant of a congresswoman the congresswoman played by virginia madsen the assistant played by a girl that donna reliably informs me is from the vampire diaries um she is dispatched to a army base where the army guys are spending time basically coordinating giving supplies to the nearby inhabitants to be nice and the congresswoman wants to shut them down uh the spearhead of this operation is played by uh, alexander ludwig who um has been in things he was the 
the kind of like the the muscly guy in Bad Boys for Life. Um, and he's 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 popped up in in things. Yeah, he's one of those, isn't he? Y- yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, and yeah, um, basically twenty minutes in, the congresswoman's assistant has already decided this is fucking brilliant. So then the next forty five minutes or so is her and Alexander Ludwig um, having he's a guy from um, Vikings, isn't he? Sure. He's the lead in Vikings. Sure. Um, they have a lot of fun together, doing lots of Christmassy things. And then the congresswoman comes, and she's like, this is a waste of money, it's a waste of resource, I'm shutting you down. And then her assistant says, go, yeah, go up in a plane and see what they do. And then they do it, and it changes the congresswoman's life. The end. Um... It's pleasant enough as wallpaper. It's basically background noise, the Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. And at the end, it's got an end title card about how it's all actually based on a real thing. And it was like, fucking hell. All right, then. Fine. There is a a little bit of that, though, that always makes you go, then why don't you make a film of that? (laughs) I mean, the, the thing is, they've done it because Netflix gave them money to make a romantic comedy also like kind of telling this story i imagine like the the people who wrote it and whatnot wanted to tell its story and that's absolutely fair enough you know it's again i mean it's completely inoffensive it's like 90 minutes long and it's a certificate you you know so <laughs> it's yeah like i say my my search my christmas prince methadone continues um well, well, well in a couple of weeks i think you might find it Oh, Christmas Chronicles 2 for my fucking... Let's go. Right. I also watched one of cinema's greatest achievements. What a film. What a film. I think it's the last one I've got to talk about this week. And my God. My God, guys. Let me tell you about a little film called the holiday i can't believe it's the first time you've seen this never seen nancy myers is the holiday before and for those who have not been following me on twitter i'm not joking i fucking loved the holiday i fucking loved it is it pandering to me with eli wallach and Jack Black talking about filmy stuff. Yes. Was I charmed? Yes. Did I have a vocal reaction where it turns out that Jack uh, Jude Law is not a cheaty, philandery kind of guy? Yes. I literally, when it was revealed, spoiler alert of the holiday, that he's actually a single dad with two kids. I pointed, I did the DiCaprio at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I (laughs) pointed at the screen and I just went, oh shit. And Donna just looked around at me and burst out laughing and went, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, it's 
really fucking heartwarming. It's just, it's re- it's a nice film. Yeah. Um, Rufus Sewell is like just toxic masculinity. Thy name is Rufus Sewell. Like it, it's such an interesting like Kate Winslet feeding off the vapors of her old relationship with him and vacuuming up any affection he gives her and him knowing that and fucking using it. It's such a fair play. He's very, very good in it. He's like when she chews him out towards the end, man, I fucking wanted to stand up and cheer. Um, Yeah, I, I just I really liked it. It's a film that. I will watch again repeatedly. Um, I'll Kickstarter a 4K for it. Um, I will only ever watch it in November or December. I feel like if you watch this film anytime between January and October, its magic would be broken. Yeah, um, it, it, it's it, isn't it? I can't remember. It's not set at Christmas, is it? But it's set around the holidays. Yeah, it's like Christmas happens during it, and then like the end is New Year. Yeah, um, but I just, yeah, I don't know. It was very, very, very pandery. But it's like if if you did love actually, but film literate or film literate pandering, then that's this. Um, yeah, really, really liked it. I thought everybody very charming. It was nice to see Eli Wallach do this and then live for many years before he did then pass away. And uh, yeah, it's on Netflix in the UK. And I honestly, genuinely, with all sincerity, recommend it wholeheartedly. Fucking loved it. Uh, all I'll say there is about um, Nancy Meyer's directorial films. Because um, obviously she, she, she's I'm more known as, as, a, as a writer uh, mm. there. But her her movies as a directorial thing. The, the, she's actually quite. There's no like dud in there or anything. There's not that many. You got the Parent Trap, What Women Want, Something's Got to Give, The Holiday. It's complicated. And the Intern. They're all really quite enjoyable, fun movies. Do you know, and I've I've never seen the Intern, but I the think I'm going to. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it it's complicated, right? I test screened a print of that New Year's Day. Um, the year, obviously the year it came out, I test screened a print of that, and that night I'd been throwing up in the work toilet and whatnot because on New Year's Eve that that I drank antifreeze, um, and it was mixed with shit and it fucking not right. And then I went to work for a late shift the next day. I watched It's Complicated at like midnight, like because we had late shows, I had to put the test print on at like midnight. And it was like a fucking warm blanket. Like it, it, it is fun. I remember really enjoyed Alec Baldwin in it. Yeah, and I, it, it. The thing is with Nancy Myers, and I mean, like, it, it, so the blank check. I talk about that podcast a lot. They did a mini series on Nancy Myers a little while back, and they they talk about that, and I 100% agree with. It's films that you don't see anymore, where it's like these 60 million dollar budgeted. Um, rom-coms rom-dramas with big stars 
that look they're photographed really well the scores are great they're classy and you don't get those anymore because they're on netflix yeah and, well, and they're pretenders to the throne what i will say is the intern um is, is is a lot of fun and actually really quite good de niro is fantastic in it uh, and as in, as is Anne Hathaway as well, it, it, th- their chemistry works really well. And every time where you think this is going to get a little bit cringy, it, it, it doesn't. You know, it's all about De Niro essentially wanting to get he gets a job after his wife dies uh, um, as an intern at a marketing firm, um, and they give him the job because they they need to give somebody over a certain age a job for like diversity, and he's thoroughly aware of it, but he just don't care. He's just doing it for something to do. And he ends up kind of becoming like her mentor um, throughout it, um, but in, in not like in a in a like quite a sweet kind of way. It's it's a really even you enjoy it, don't you, Bex? And you, yeah. you usually don't like this kind of thing. And yeah, you, you hate Joy, don't you, Bex? Yeah. I don't hate Anne Hathaway. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm fucking about. You do because um, she's pretty and she's a brunette, and we established that pretty brunettes get she, treated differently. She smiles though sometimes. Yeah, but she smiles like she thinks she's better than you. She smiles like she's faking smiling, doesn't she? Yeah. What a bitch. What a bitch. <laughs> but I don't, I, it just, she does, she makes charming films. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I might rewatch The Intern this week. Oh, fuck it, I might watch The Intern this week. Christ. It, 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 I, I was saying it's available on 4K on iTunes. Well, can I rent that shit? You can rent it, yeah. Hmm. Um, I, I I think it's, luckily we own it all. What is it? Cause I bought it for three ninety nine once. One of those like deal of the week things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was that your last one, there, Ian? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll speak about other, another very charming film in a bit, but yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll do the one that I watched on my own. You didn't watch anything on your own this week, did we, Bex? I needed a hug in TV form, so I went back to watch. I went back in time and started watching Christopher Eccleston's Doctor Who's. All I heard was noise. TV noise. That's so rude. So fucking rude. I'm already joking. Uh, <laughs> fuck you. I've got four doctors to get through before before Doctor Who ends and then doesn't exist anymore. Because you hate women. I do hate women. Um, I, it, it just, just, just to say, to be fair, the Chris Chibnall Doctor Who's have not been great and I think Jodie Whittaker has been ill-served by him anyway. The writing for the few that I watched was very preachy and it was, do you know what, it's a family show. So if they want to go back down a more family friendly route, live your best life, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch it. That that first Whitaker season, I stopped watching halfway. I thought it was brutal. Like, and, and Donna is far more Doctor Who tolerant than I, because she'd let David Tennant sit on her face and it, it just, it set, seems to have bled through for years now. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, those Jodie Whittaker ones, so preachy. Like the Rosa Parks one, it was like, I get your intentions 100%, and that's 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 great. But I don't know, maybe don't do Rosa Parks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really yeah I, I, that was the first one, I think, that I didn't watch. And I read about it first and I was like, no, do you know what? I'm out. I don't need to see that. Isn't it a bit white saviory? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, she's already like she's already obviously on her way and whatnot. But it's a little bit just let Rosa Parks be Rosa Parks. Yeah. She doesn't have to be inspired by some otherworldly force. 
all I have with Doctor Who is you trying to get me to watch the Capaldi ones uh, when he first came into it, um, and I, I, it's not my bag. Some of the people like it, but I do do not see the appeal whatsoever. The Capaldi ones actually, when I rewatched them, are a lot better than I remember them being. Um, the first one with the what is it, fucking dinosaur in centre of London? Is it a dinosaur? I don't you watched it with me i know but i've literally purposefully forgotten it yeah it's not great but the matt smith ones are a masterpiece well talking about something that's great sorry i watched uh i watched a little movie a new movie a new movie that you two people wouldn't watch with me i said i would watch it you don't deserve to watch it wow um i watched the um the new movie from comedy genius paulie shaw uh in the form of guest house uh the premise of this take my headphones off for a couple of minutes um. the premise of this um is blake and sarah um are a young couple um and they are looking to buy their first home so they get taken to see this beautiful house with a big garden and a pool and it looks amazing um uh, and they go well why is it why is it on the market for this price this is amazing because it comes with a guest house that has a tenant in it that they can't get rid of in the form of Paulie Shaw. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so yeah, there's that. Has Ian actually gone? I don't know if Ian has actually gone. Um, it's it, The thing is about Guest House, if you, if you enjoy the movies of Paulie Shaw, you're going to enjoy Guest House. It's got a lot of silliness in it. It's a little bit more... Blue than um than his than his I think there's a, a, a bit where he gives a possum um, flacker uh, and it just goes fucking crazy and starts eating people, um, which is quite amusing. Um, is it very poorly shory? Yes, okay. but a different it, uh, now is poorly shaw rather than 1994 is poorly shaw. Okay. Um, you've also got uh, her father, the, the Sarah, the, the lead girl's father, is played by Billy Zane. And he fucking hates Blake, her partner. Like, right. hates him, which is quite quite amusing. Um, Blake's boss is played by Steve O, because he works uh, essentially in marketing for a skateboard company. Uh, Steve O enters the movie uh, on a skateboard, uh, skating through a plate glass window for no reason. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it's very silly. Uh, it's very fun, uh, but if your tolerance of Polly Shaw is where mine is, you'll really enjoy it. If your tolerance of Polly Shaw is where, let's say, yours is, Becky, then it's probably not the movie for but you. But I don't hate all Polly Shaw movies. You never want to watch them with me. Well, no, because, like, But, yeah, it, 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 it is it is quite... So if you're a normal, like, say, me and Ian, don't watch it. No, I don't watch if, it. If you're like you. Yeah, watch it, and yeah. it's a lot of fun. But I, I, I had a good time with it, um... But yeah, had we watched it as a main review, you two would be there going, Mark, it's not funny. And I'd be going, but it kind of is. <laughs> it kind of is. And it has a sweet ending. Um, so yeah, there's, 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 there's that. Does he say the line? What? 
Hey, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, he does. So they, yeah, okay. he does. Um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, I also watched uh, the second and the third uh, Diary of Wimpkin movies. Um, the second being uh, Dog Days. And the, no, so the second being Roderick Rules and the third being Dog Days. Uh, Roderick Rules is the best of the uh, Diary of Wimpkin movies, without question. Um, and Dog Days where it starts to dip off a little bit and the kid... This starts to get a little bit too old for mm, um, for you. Playing. Not what they're playing, but for you to see that as japery and you just see them as a dickhead. Um, is what I would say for that. There. I think he comes off as a bit of a dickhead in the first one. Is yeah. Roderick the big brother? Roderick's the big brother. Yeah. 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 Um, the best character in it. Anyway. Yeah, he is. And so the Roderick Rules one is the is the best one for that. Um, we've also what else do we watch, Bex? I'll let you talk for a little bit now. I'm not good at the talking. Well, you're gonna have to be. Uh, we watched LA Confidential because having having watched seven. seven, we felt like it was okay. Yeah, it was okay to bring experience back into our lives. In a limited form, yeah. and only where it was deserved. Um, yeah, um, LA Confidential is very very good, but very very long. Um, we were flagging by the end of it, weren't we? He's wandered off. Bear with me. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, everyone will have seen LA Confidential. The the story's good. It all kind of unfolds in like the the interesting way that you'd expect it to from from like a, a noir. But it is it is just too long. That's the issue with it. Um, but yeah, it's. Can I throw a controversial LA Confidential opinion? Go on. Um, yeah, you're right. It, it, is, it, is, it is too long. Uh, it's very good, but it is too long. My controversial LA Confidential um, opinion is I don't think Kim Bassinger is very good in that. She's not great in it. No, I, I, it's, I never realised how little she actually does in it. Mm. And her entire character is basically standing there and saying things slowly. You know, she's, she looks like Veronica Lair. I don't know whether it gets mentioned. But I mean, that, it's part of the story, but yeah, it, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's overdone. It is overdone, and it is, I don't know, I, I, I think Russell Crowe's fantastic in it. I don't think Guy Pearce is actually that good, and I usually really like Guy Pearce. But it's it's a weird one, I like confidential, that it's gone down a little bit, mm. in my estimations. Unfortunately, Kevin Space is really fucking good in it. Yeah, he is very good in it, yeah. Um, yeah, it went down a little bit in my estimation. I was quite surprised. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as but, much as but I, I still remember really enjoying it. Enjoyed me watching mm. it. Um, we also we'll, we'll pepper in some some trash. We watched, we watched, or what I rewatched. You watched the first time the Kevin Hart, uh, Tiffany Haddish uh, movie, Night School. It's really quite funny, isn't it? It's it's very funny and a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I need to watch that. It, 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 it's a it's a good couple of beers movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, having like, uh, you know, like side characters well played by people like Ben Schwartz um, and Rob Riggle in peak Rob Riggle uh, form. Which Rob Riggle? Which one's he? For fuck's sake, every time I mention Rob Riggle, you go, who's Rob Riggle? Oh, him. Yeah. It's because it sounds like a fake name, so I just assume you've given me a fake name. Yeah, I'll, I'll be uh, honest, Mark, I don't think she asks who Rob Riggle either, just to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mark, learn to speak, you bitch. I, I refuse. Uh, yeah, Night School is a lot of fun. Um, I think, depending on what your tolerance is for Kevin Hart, 
if you find him amusing, then you'll get on with it a well. I don't think he's annoyingly Kevin Harty in this. It's, it's, it's Tiffany Haddish's movie. Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. And she's fantastic in it. Mm. And gets to gets to hold the, any any drama in it, she gets to hold, but also be really fucking funny. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's very good, actually. Way, 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 way better than I expected it to be. Uh, we watched Murder at 1600. I wonder what possibly prompted us to do that. Could it be all the shenanigans going on in the White House? Yes, it was all the shenanigans in the White House. Uh, so we decided to celebrate this by watching a, a Wesley Snipes Diane Lane movie yeah. about a murder at the White House. But, may, you know, in, in some small way, maybe we were hoping that there would be a murder at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah, but there's not. Uh, it, it, it's fine, isn't it? It's, do you know what? Yeah, it's it's entertaining enough it's just one of those it's a weeknight movie it is a weeknight movie um, we watched that I think it's the best descriptor for it um we watched carlito's way we did watch carlito's way um fucking love carlito's way carlito's way uh, right i should have done these we should have done these in a different order yeah we should because that yeah. one should have followed that little yeah should have done yeah um so we rewatched carlito's way um I don't think Kelly Oswell gets spoken enough about. No. Because it's, I mean, it, it's two and a bit hours long and it flies by. Pacino is incredible mm. um, in it. Uh, Sean Penn's fantastic in it. And it just seems to be, it almost seems to get kind of just not brought up anymore as like one of the the, the great early 90s um you know, this type of movie, the crime movies. Mm. Um, because I think you've got things that happened sort of a few years after it where you, you had the explosion of people like um, Tarantino and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson and all that, that Hollywood new wave that, um, that you had like De Palma kind of got forgotten about a little bit. And I do think that, that as a filmmaker, De Palma has almost been kind of forgotten about a little bit. Mm. Um, because for... You know, for, for people like um, Scorsese and George Lucas and um, Spielberg and a lot of filmmakers, he was like the fucking, the one they all looked up to. Mm. And he was still making genuinely fucking great movies up until, you know, like for like 30 years he did nearly making great movies. Mm. Um, and Kalito's Way is fantastic. Uh, looks great. Takes out a great pace. It has the, you know... De Palma can shoot a fucking scene in a railway station better than any fucking body. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. Um, we also watched... Um, we were feeling a bit noir after We were feeling a bit noir yeah. Um, so we watched The Black Dahlia. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. But I still can't work out if it's good or not. I really like The Black Dahlia. I like it. But is it good? Yeah. Thing is, I really like Josh Hartnett. I want Josh Hartnett to happen again. Yeah. Because I feel like him and Brendan Fraser need to happen again Maybe to make the world a better movie. place. I would watch the shit out of Josh Hartnett. Uh, what is it? But I actually read an interview recently with Josh Hartnett where they asked him about, you know, like, and he kind of just says, I think Hollywood just, it got bored of me and I got bored of it. Mm. And people got bored of seeing me. 
and then I tried to do like these movies like Pearl Harbor and things like this and, and it just I, I'm a bit too awkward looking for this <laughs> Adam Driver does fine there is nothing wrong with being awkward looking so what you're saying is in the same way as the rock stole uh, Brendan <laughs> Fraser's career Adam Driver has stolen Josh Hartnett's career yes All yeah, right. let's go with that um, I, I really like the Black Dahlia's film. I think it's really good. I don't know whether it's what because having read the um, Elroy book, mm. it's it's kind of I love the book, and mm. I think some of that love spilled over into the movie. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, Scott Hans is pretty good in it. Aaron Eckhart's a little bit wobbly, I think, at points. I think he goes a little bit too crazy, crazy. Um, yeah, and I think possibly, the, yeah. the pacing of it, it's hard to understand time. Like, there's a bit where, where Josh Hartnett says to. Um, We've been on this for a day now, and it's uh, like weeks have passed. Aaron Eckhart says, <laughs> says, says, I'll give you I'll give you a week on it. And he turns around and goes, It's been three days of this. It's like, Whoa, he went from being like, All right, let's, let's just investigate this, <laughs> to being like fucking serial killer, fucking room, and completely broken. And it's been three days? just didn't seem like that, that that should be there what i will say though is is it the guy who does american horror story ryan murphy isn't there yeah yeah right please nobody give him a copy of the black dahlia or let him watch the black dahlia because he will have a fucking netflix series literally green lit a paragraph into the book uh the character of i can't remember a real name now but the, the black dahlia is in season one of, of what of American Horror Story. Is she? I watched American Horror the season one of American Horror Story. Yeah. I don't remember it. But yeah. She's in it. I'm sure she is. Yeah. So, oh, fuck, so he knows about it. Oh, yeah, balls. Yeah. We're going to get out. Oh, that's that's going to green light. Without question. He's going to do a series of Black Dahlia. He's doing his true crime shit at the moment, isn't he? Oh, fuck it. There you go. A true crime. The Black Dahlia is a fucking real crime, Becky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So let's get into the one that we all want to talk about. Hello, hot stuff. Looks like third time's charm. Mmm. How are those pickles? Real good. They were the fancy kind. Mm. Mm. Hey, Mila. Where are you going? I'm going to Chatsworth. Chatsworth? <laughs> you hitch up and down Burbank Boulevard all day till someone says they'll drive you to Chatsworth? Tourists love to drive me. I'm their favorite part of their LA vacation, you know? They'll be telling stories about Hollywood, hippie girl, that they gave a ride to the movie ranch for the rest of their lives. Wait, Spawn Movie Ranch? Yeah. That's where you're going, Spawn Movie Ranch? Uh-huh. Well, why are you going there? I live there. Alone? No. Me and my friends. I don't need to give people a plot synopsis, but once upon a time in Hollywood, we all rewatched it this week, so fuck it, we're all going to talk about it, because why the fuck not? Ian, you have the plot. So... First time we're watching it now. First time in the cinema. Second time, kind of around end of the year discussion last year, where um, 
I watched it all in one sitting and had a couple of drinks and whatnot and like very very much enjoyed it obviously it was very very high up in my list last year and my decade list but I don't know why but this third time really was the mother load for me um the fucking dog sorry I, I don't know if you can hear that uh, uh Donna's just taking Lottie to bed and the dog's fucking barking um maybe but not really yeah okay all right i'm gonna carry on sorry um i dearly 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 feel like I'm, i'm in love with this film at this point not a second goes by where i'm not fucking captivated by what's happening on screen it feels like such a love letter to the era and uh, you know and and the place that it's interesting I've, I've i've seen people describe it as tarantino's most romantic film and it's like yeah i i get that but it's romance for like that feeling of that place and mm. time um i think it's a it's a fucking remarkable bit of just being there um but it's funny it's dramatic it's violent bit in a just weirdly satisfying way i think because of the real world context just to say before i forget how extended brad pitt smashing the ginger haired girl's face (laughs) against various things in is fucking amazing and that's the thing becky laughs and it's funny it is the thing is it's that that is basically the reason i think why i saw an interview with terence where he he was talking about that is he said that literally when you hear about what happens to today, you literally just want to smash these people's yeah. faces in. Yeah. He said, so what I wanted to do was just have him in almost, have the character just in almost a uh, a slapstick way, just smashing a face into various things. Not like one thing, just repeatedly just walking around smashing her face into it, things. It, it, it's just the fact that the cuts are, he smashes her head into one thing, cut. He's smashing her head into another thing, cut. He's smashing her head into another thing. Um, and and it, there's, there's yeah. a great shot of where, he, of where he's, he's smashing it into the, the table and he lifts her up, looks at her, and looks away, almost looks at the audience, then just drops her head down. Mm. And then passes out. Yeah, I mean, it's... I... I, I, So, I I was doing a bit of research for this today. Like, kind of had some stuff, uh, like, some audio stuff on while I was working. And I listened to the uh, the CAM press conference. And there's a... uh, The last question is someone basically saying... Margot Robbie doesn't have an awful lot of lines in this. What was that? You know, goes on this massive spiel basically about that. And then Tarantino literally just says, I reject your hypo- hypothesis. 
<laughs> which is incredible. And then Margot Robbie says, like, as we've been saying through this conference, Sharon Tate is like the heartbeat of this film. She doesn't have to have lines necessarily. It's embodying the spirit of that person. And yeah, I get it. You know, um, the fact that I'm pretty sure she got an Oscar nomination for this, didn't she? She got a bet or did she? Uh, She got that choice, didn't she? Because the bombshell was that year as well. It's like, did she get Best Actress nomination for Bombshell and Best Supporting for this? I think she might have got Best Supporting for this, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and I I get it, because she is like the light of it. You know, like Mm. Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, you can't describe them as like the heartbeat of this film. Their relationship is insanely watchable. But she's there every now and then just being alive yeah 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 like yes yeah exactly you know and um yeah i I, it's i i I think it was really interesting that this character was there in a time when people were oh and are being women need to have a voice and it's like yes women 100 percent, yes women need to have a voice but in sit in stories where it's not the main focus and they can be other other things they should be those other things as well you know and it's like the the place of Sharon Tate in this story is not to have the monologues that other characters have it's to represent the fucking goodness of the time and to represent the hope that this the the world of the film has by her being alive at the end of it yeah absolutely did the whole it, it, a performance isn't measured by the amount of times that you speak it should never be done for that one one of one of the best performances in any tarantino movie uh, across the board is robert de niro and jackie brown and he has less than a hundred words in it i think yeah yeah um it's a, it's a, it is a remarkable film, mm. and I, I I think I gave it short shrift originally. Yeah, even though I said it was five stars and one of the films of the year. <laughs> I think with the with the Sharon Tate character, it's it's more about the effect she has upon the atmosphere of the movie. You've sure. got you've you've got this this grimy underbelly kind of situation going on with the the Manson family, and then she's just the other end of the spectrum of that. Yeah. So for instance. The impact of her literally um, just wandering around buying a book and going to see a movie. But the, the, the impact of her of literally walking into the Playboy Mansion, coming out of her house, getting driven to the Playboy Mansion with Roman Polanski, who also doesn't speak because Tarantino literally does not give a fuck about it. <laughs> just makes him look like a cartoon prick. And that's and another thing in the press conference, like someone asked, like, you know, essentially did you talk to Polanski before portraying him in the film and Tarantino literally just goes no yeah he he, he portrays him with the absolute with the amount of respect that you should give Roman Polanski (laughs) Um, and then has her literally walking through the playboy mansion or dancing through the playboy mansion and then you get Damien Lewis fantastically playing Steve McQueen Mm. um, 
doing a little story. Yeah. Tell a little story and give you a little bit of exposition, but doing it in a really wonderful, playful way of literally sitting there and saying to somebody, let me tell you a little story. And then showing it. The the presence and the atmosphere that uh, Margot Robbie gives as that character, just doing that tells more than if she had a hundred fucking lines explaining the same fucking thing herself. It doesn't matter how much you fucking speak in a movie when your presence is what is being sold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the bit obviously where she does have most to do is is probably the bit where she's she goes to the the theater mm. and i think she just she does that so well like it's such a lovely scene she 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 like makes her seem really kind of just excited to to be able to see one of her movies in the theater excited by people's reactions to it one complaint i do have is they're putting her dirty feet up on the the chairs but we'll we'll forgive her for that bit but it's 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 just I think it's just a really good portrayal. Yeah. Um, I, what the, I think the thing is, to 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 us um, people people who are very much interested in films and very much interested in Tarantino and bits like that, um, we knew what this film was about. Mm. The problem is the the way it was put out there was, was that it was a Sharon Tate movie. And at the backstory of that, it was a Charles Manson movie. Now Charles Manson isn't a feature in the movie whatsoever he has what literally like a line less than a minute of screen time Mm. Uh, it it, it is literally that one bit where he walks up to the door and emile hirsch and sharon teeter there that that's it is that that, 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 that's it and you you even expect it within the trailer you know the trailer even teased it a little bit yeah because the the, i can't wait for you to meet charlie he's really gonna dig you he's in the trailer Mm. never meets charlie or anything like that but it it did that and so some of the criticism i see of it is oh it does a terrible it's just not interesting telling the story of shantay and the manson killings like well no because it's not that what's not what it's about what the film is actually about is this bromance between (laughs) a um a fading hollywood star and his mate And the fact that they are just friends and that the ending of the movie is is all wrapped up in in um, DiCaprio's character realising that, do you know what? It, it, he's not going to not be in my life anymore because um, it, doesn't I, it doesn't work for me anymore. He's my, he's my best friend. He's my... He, he, he literally is my companion through life, you know? Yeah. And the, the the scene of him at the end of it just saying you're a, you're a good friend, and it's like I I do my best, and it's like the whole the fact that the whole rumor is that you know he's killed his wife. You don't see him kill his wife. No. So so it's it that might have happened. It might not. Mm. Um, and you get the feeling that DiCaprio's character, who has spent the most time with him, doesn't believe that. No, just thinks it's bollocks. Just thinks it's bollocks. Yeah. Because to him, he's just his friend. Um, that bit where he's on the roof and he's reminiscing about the the whole Bruce Lee thing, and it cuts back to me and just goes. Yeah. yeah fair enough. <laughs> but like that, him throwing Bruce Lee against the fucking um, against the car, and there is only Brad Pitt, I think, out there as an actor 
who can do what he does there when Zoe Bell comes out. And um, he's saying, you know, you're going to hurt our lead actor. He's like, it's like, and Bruce Lee's like, no, no one, no one hurt me. And he does the line of going, I think the dent in that car would differ. But that, Brad Pitt doing that line and doing the sweeping across, mm. only Brad Pitt can do that level of just fucking charm and just, yeah, fucking. He, he is, he's unbelievably cool in it. Yeah. And I like that about it. And I'm really looking forward to this novelization they're doing to build that character. Yeah. Because Tarantino has basically said, you know, that he's supposed to be like the most, one of the most dangerous men alive. That's the whole thing. And I'm not sure I quite got that over in the movie. No, um, but yeah, it's the, the violence is so minuscule in the movie, but the joy and the fun, the comedy and the of that is all there. It's just there's a bit where you get. Uh, DiCaprio singing a little song for no reason. For no reason. When Green uh, Door. Al Pacino's like saying, oh, and then we saw a little oh, bit. Yeah. That has no, nothing to do with anything in the movie <laughs> other than, than Tarantino just wanted it to be there and wanted <laughs> to show that um, that he is, um, that the, the character there, um, Rick Dalton, it, it is. He's an old school performer in that he can do the dancing, he can do the singing, he can do the acting. He he's all that thing. Yeah. You know, he's he's that that level of Hollywood that was just happened between what was old Hollywood and before new Hollywood happened. Mm. You know, that just after John Wayne, but not quite um uh, before Robert Redford. Yeah. The thing is though, it's like there's no weak segments of this movie. No. There's no bit that you like, oh, this bit's a bit boring. Like the bit where he's on set doing, um, oh, is it Lancer? Yeah. Or really good. Um, the bit where he goes off to the Spahn Ranch, really good. The bit with uh, Sharon Tate booping around town, really good. You know, there's there's no weak it, link in there. But the, 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 the absolute fucking just sheer human confidence of, of, of Cliff Booth's uh, character when he turns around, that guy's laughing on the fucking fence. Yeah. But what yeah, is it? Yeah. The sheer confidence to go, do you know what? I am one guy and there's a lot of these people around there and he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> and then just to do what he does is is fantastic. It's it's brilliant. And then getting the, the later bit, I, you can absolutely, and I think Ian, you missed me saying this, you, you can 100% see why Brad Pitt won an Academy Award for this. Because then you've got the bit later on where he's baked and, he, and text comes in. And by the way, I actually think that, um, is it Austin um, uh, Butler, who's actually yeah, played yeah. Elvis in the new um, Baz Luhrmann? Yeah. I think he's very good in this. Is that text? Yeah. yeah. When he comes in the room, though, and he's I'm like, I'm as going, real as a donut, motherfucker. Yeah. And then you've got Brad Pitch going, I know you. You were on a horsey. <laughs> and then saying, What's your name? And he goes, he goes like, and he says something. And he goes, he goes like, I'm the, I'm the devil. And I'm doing the devil's business. Like, yeah. like, no, nah, it was dumber than that. <laughs> Rex or something. And then the girl says, text, text, text. That's it. But even at that moment, he's got a gun in his face, and he just, even without being high, he doesn't give a shit. He's, 
he's fully in control of what is going on. Because he's got the strongest weapon in that room, primed and ready to fucking go. The dog. The fucking dog. The, 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 the control he has over the dog. I, there's something satisfying about seeing a well-trained dog in a movie, but the fact that he just like clicks and whistles at her and she just knows exactly... But, the bit where the dog goes after Tex's nuts is is very satisfying as someone who wishes they had actually died. But then, also as well, I, I genuinely, my favourite scene of the entire fucking movie, honestly, is the bit where they're wheeling him out yeah. on the on the gurney to the, to the ambulance. And they're just having a, and him and Brad Pitt are having, uh, having a really normal conversation. We're saying, you know, you might want to feed Bonnie, the dog's called, isn't it? Brandy. Brandy. You might want to um, just spend a bit of time with Brandy. She might be a little bit freaked out. And DiCaprio's like, oh, no, she's she's, she's sleeping with um, his new wife thing. Uh, you know, you, you might, Francesca, you might never get her back. Mm. It's just such a... It's it, such a human... It's throwaway. Yeah. It's just them having a, a being friends. And the thing is, after the movie finishes... You get the feeling that that DiCaprio has gone to the hospital with bagels and he's saying he's he recanting re- yeah, recant to what happened to Brad Pitt's character, saying what's happened. Mm. And then, you know, somehow ending up back on his feet and going, I can rehire you now. No, I mean that that's fit and you know that's how it went. Yeah. Like he's now in with Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski and whatnot. You know, he's he was in that pilot for Lancer where the girl told him that was the best a- acting I've ever seen in my life. You know, with a, a fucking incredible moment. Um, and and it's gonna be okay. Like that moment where Emile Hirsch kind of like gives him the cheesy thumbs up. Yeah. But it, it's like out of context. That's like what the fuck. But in context, it's like. Rick fucking Dalton is going to be okay. It's like a real validation moment, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and just the fact that, like, there are people around him. I mean, interestingly, it's kind of like Tarantino with, like, his uh, salvaging of older actors, you know, like uh, John Travolta and um, Robert Forster and David Carradine and whatnot. Mm. It's almost like these people knew rick dalton from their youth and it's like rick fucking dalton you know i always take the, the you know i, I always uh, uh, uh take the mickey out of sharon that i he, she lives next to um jake hill. hill you know and it, it's like right okay so now he is going to be reclaimed by tate and plansky and whatnot and he's going to be all right you know, it's like the same paying it forward that Tarantino has done to um, actors he was brought up on. These guys are going to do for Rick Dalton. It's a, it, it, it's a fucking magical ending. It's lovely. The the conversation that he that he has with JC bring outside the gate as well is is amazing. When he's telling him about his flamethrower and stuff like that, and explaining all the, yeah. the burning of the hippie and all that kind of stuff. It's and just, just Emile Hirsch's reactions. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 the thing of, we won't believe it, but I actually have a flamethrower. <laughs> Emile Hirsch is like, oh, the one from 12 Guns and McCluskey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, shit, these people do actually know my work. This is amazing. Like, he, he's just it, such it, a kind it, of, it, oh, you it, aren't irrelevant kind of moment. And he realises, fuck, I'm not irrelevant. I just, 
start doing anything that I feel is relevant right now. It, it's like, it's like yeah, he thought that, that, that everything will, that his career was on its ass, and then he finds out that actually, no, my, my life's kind of fucking looking up mm-hmm. now. Um, yeah, it's it, it really is a a wonderful kind of like, in a weird way, it's a bit of a warm hug of a movie. Mm. And it is definitely one that gets better with every watch. Like, yep, I can yep. say I, I've watched it twice in the week because obviously I watched it on my own thinking you were fussed about rewatching it just yet and then we all decided to rewatch it for the thing so I, I rewatched it with you and it even even that close together it was better the, the, the second time out of those two times anyway sorry there's a car alarm going off outside Matt's going to check if it's our car It is somebody else's car. Um, so yeah, I mean, even even just a few days apart, it was it was better on the most recent watch. And yeah, I think it's it's definitely kind of cemented it. Cause I think I I put it as my number one last year. Yeah. Um, and it and it definitely fucking is. I think it's my. I think that has cemented it as my. As my favourite Tarantino. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah favourite yeah. I think is is right. I really want to go back and watch Inglorious Bastards at some point. Um, I, I want to rewatch that as well because it, as it stands, it, everybody seems to put that as being like their favourite Tarantino and his best. And for me, it, it it's the other end of the list for me. Mm. And I don't think it's not a bad film. It's not a five star film for me, but. It, it's 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 not as high up in my list as I think a lot of other people. So I want to rewatch that and see if there's just some, I'm just not hitting with it. I don't know. I think I get like you say. Like I said last week, I think when I talked about Django, whichever Tarantino I've watched most recently, it's like yeah, that's the best one. That's my favourite. And obviously, most recent watch for me is Once Upon a Time. I think that actually probably is. But last week it was Django. So um, I think. It, He's one of those directors that you forget how layered and multifaceted his films are until you've just recently watched it. Mm. Um, and I think that could be the case with with Inglorious Bastards because it feels it just feels a lot more two dimensional than than say for instance this one. Yeah. Should we do Bastards next week? <laughs> it's tempting. I, I, I'm game for doing Bastards next week. <gasps> yeah, go on then. We've got a lot coming up soon, though. <laughs> so it's going to start getting released about our time. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, fuck it, yeah, let's do Bastards next week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. nice. Um, are, are we all done on Once Time in, in Hollywood, sorry? I think we've waxed lyrical about Once Upon a Time for a long enough. Yeah, I, I, I think, but we'll, we'll, we'll probably get back to it at some point. Um, we do have a question. Uh, Rick Kidd, at Rick J. Kidd. As you're reviewing the Train to Busan sequel, uh, we've seen many different locations for zombie films, etc. E.g. shopping, malls, etc. What location would you pick to provide a new twist on the genre? A world where the zombies have to comply by a one-way system round an office in the time of COVID. <laughs> so, almost like a... Uh, a dawn of the dead for like the for the Kobe generation. Yeah, where literally you've got to try and be fast enough 
to not be caught by the zombie behind you, but slow enough that the zombie in front of you can't turn around and get you. <laughs> so, so a little bit like you're between second and third base and you try to, you, the, the pictures of both of all you try to get between them. There you go. I genuinely thought you were referring to a different second and third base. So did I. I wondered um, where you were going. Glad he explained himself. Well, that's just because you two have gutter minds. <laughs> if you live in a pure world like me, you wouldn't think that. It was almost like I thought the second and third base was like if he's had a bit too much to drink and he can't quite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Everywhere I think of has been done. Garden centre, little monsters. Theme park, zombie land. Garden centre? Yeah, they, they go to like a garden centre with a play area, don't they, in little monsters? This is a safari park. Is it? It's also sort of what is it called? Garden centre. Garden centre then. Pick off lots of old people. Okay, I'll fair enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just close it. <laughs> uh, where would be a good one? I, 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 I'm assuming this has already been done. In fact, is it in one of the of the dead movies? Is one of the, of the dead movies set on a, a ship or a cruise line or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely been done. Has it? Zombies on a ship, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it has. Yeah. Well, if you can't know what film it is, it hasn't been done. Uh, but yeah, zombies on a boat. Remember that? Imagine how fucking scary I'd find that. Zombies on a boat. Zombies on a space centre, that's got all been done. I'm, just, I'm trying, I'm just googling zombies on a boat now. Zombies on a boat. Is that just because boats scare you anyway? Yes. Ah, zombie cruise. (laughs) Of course there's something called zombie cruise. Yeah, zombie cruise. Might watch that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but that's it. I'm I'm exhoring zombie cruise. It doesn't exist. Uh, But yeah, that's about that in mind. (gasps) Like a ranch. Like a a cowboy ranch, like in City Slickers. Where where, tourists go. That's it. It must have been. Everywhere's been done. Yeah, kind of strip club because zombies versus strippers. Yeah, and what's it? Um, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Also yep. strippers. It's a good film. It's a fucking great film, isn't it? Zombie strippers is pretty decent, actually, though. It's got one thing that you really like, zombies. One thing that I really like, Tick. strippers. Yeah. <laughs> Solid. Oh, I fucking love zombie babies. Can we try zombies versus strippers tonight? <laughs> We have it on DVD. Ian, what are we covering next week? We don't, do we? Zombies versus strippers. Of course we do. It's got zombies and strippers in it. It's not exactly zombies versus strippers, but we are going to be um, looking at the first two films of uh, Steve McQueen's Small Axe series, uh, I believe. So we'll be doing Mangrove and Lover's Rock. Yes. Uh, We'll be doing Inglorious Bastards and... I want to do Nicolas Cage in Jiu-Jitsu. Fuck yeah, we're doing Nicolas Cage in Jiu-Jitsu. Nice. Busy show again. That's good. Yeah. So, that was episode uh, 372 of Film Bastards. We are a Pod Syndicate um, podcast. You can find other Pod Syndicate shows at pod, wearepodsyndicate.com. They will feature Chinchworth vs. Punter, Film Rant, 
his film, her movie, the Iron sequel, what's on tap, rewatch project. I remember these. You mail them off to me, and you, you destroyed my flow. I know I've, I've, I've forgotten one. I know I have. I had Chintro versus Punter. You know about that fucking one, anyway. Um, so yeah, you can find those. Uh, you can also find some good writing on there. Ian will have a review of Mank, Mank. probably by the time you get into this, because Ian's seeing Mank. Um, and yeah, go over there. I'll look at that. Mank, 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 Mank. There may also be some new videos going up of the uh, oh, yeah. Mad Mark. Yeah, Mad Mark and, and, and the Yakuza project. project. I've broken the back of it now. I've got through all the story bit and I'm into like, the gaming bit now so I can walk around and punch people. Yeah. 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 I'll just walk around and just jab into people that don't punch back for some reason. Yeah, you just barge them, don't you? Yeah, you barge people, there'll be yeah. no more talking whatsoever, I promise. <laughs> 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 yeah, so there'll be, there'll be more of that, more of Mad Mark. And at some point, like I say, I keep promising to do some fucking Tony Hawk videos uh, on there. But that would be me playing Tony Hawk badly. Just imagine how satisfying it'll be people that listen to you every week and mangling that greeting to watch you smash into your face every time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're so good at the game. I am not wow. good at that game. But I enjoy the shit out of it. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Go on your feet. Oops. Oh, shit. Oops. Are you playing Tony Hawk again, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got yourself more than landing on my face. <laughs> uh, should frame. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, and we shall speak to you next week. Bye-bye. You don't know what's going on. You've been away for far too long. You can't come back and think you are still there. You're out of touch, my baby. My fortune's gone, baby. I said, baby, 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 you're out of touch.
podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.